The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyal Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen we said that the way you see yourself affects one the way you see God somebody see the way I see God the way I relate with God that is the first and that's why the knowledge of your identity is so important because if you think of yourself as somebody God hates or somebody is against you will even come to him in prayer. You will even be confident in prayer. When you come before God, you will not think that you qualify or you deserve answers from God. That's why the way we see ourselves reflect on the way we see God. Again, the way we see ourselves affect the way we see ourselves as well. And then, of course, it affects the way we relate with others. And most importantly, the way we deal with the devil. Praise God. We establish that we are a new creation. If I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. That's the first thing we talked about. And then we said, once you are in Christ, you are a beloved. Somebody say, I'm a beloved. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. And last week, Pastor Pei walked us through, I'm adopted. Somebody say, I'm adopted. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. All of these are supposed to give you right perspective about your relationship with God. How you ought to see yourself. How you ought to relate with God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Somebody say, I'm the beloved. God loved us. Not only did he love you, he chose you. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5. God decided in advance. Somebody say he decided in advance. To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And he gave him great pleasure. What gave God great pleasure? He gave him great pleasure to adopt you and make you a part of his family. That should excite you. I was listening to Pastor Ope, watched it online, and I was blessed. I like the definition he gave to adoption and the illustration he gave. Adoption, you just imagine that you are in a courtroom. You are the judge sitting as a judge, and you are dispensing justice. And a criminal who has committed murder, high crime, any kind of crime you can think of, is presented before you. And you are the judge. And every evidence points to his uh, sentencing and being beheaded. Then as a judge, you assume the responsibility. You decide that all his charges are dropped. As a judge, you have decided you are acquitted him of all his charges. And not only have you acquitted him of all his charges, but now you are going to make him a part and a member of your family. Do you understand adoption? Now, that is who you and I were. 
We were people who stood accused before God. We were sentenced for eternal damnation in hell. God did not only cancel our death sentence. God did not only annul our sentence of eternal damnation in hell. But he also took us in and brought us as members of his own family. That's to the side to praise God. Now, that makes you know that you are of great value to God. Somebody say, I'm of great value to God. Adoption, we said, is fundamental. Among many things he shared with you. The fact that adoption is fundamental to God's redemptive plan. Adoption was never an alternative plan. In most families, in the natural, before somebody considers adoption, they would have to try. And now that we have all kinds of means, people would want to try all other means. And when they are not able to produce a child of themselves, then they decide, okay, adoption becomes my second option. But that was not so with God. The Bible says God decided in advance to make us a part of his family. And the pathway he chose was adoption. Somebody say it was adoption. We will understand it better when you get to appreciate the context of adoption in those days. In those days, if you adopted a child, that child could never be disowned. At the time Paul was writing, the Roman rule was such that if you adopted a child, the child could never be disowned. You could disown a biological son, but you couldn't disown legally an adopted child. That is why God chose that he will not make us a children just by birth, but he will adopt us. And he placed a seal on your adoption. A seal. A seal is an irrevocable stamp of approval. And that seal is the Holy Ghost. So the moment the Holy Ghost comes to live in you, you are sealed for good. Somebody say, I'm sealed for good. Say, I'm sealed for good. That's why you have to appreciate the new relationship God has with you in the New Testament. Adoption makes God your father. Adoption makes you a special child to God. And adoption guarantees special privileges and rights. Now come with me again to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to 6. Ephesians 1 3 to 6. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I am chosen. Before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm adopted. Okay. Now let's look at verse number six. To the praise, let's read it together. One go to the praise of his grace by which he had made us accepted in the beloved. Somebody say, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm adopted, and now I am accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. How many of us have been rejected before? You've been rejected before? I'm sure you may have been rejected before. If you attempted uh, proposing love to somebody, I'm sure that maybe the guys, somebody may have rejected your proposal before, it may have a bounce. If you've also attempted uh, seeking a visa to travel, some way, somehow, you may have been rejected before. But I prophesy to you on your next trial, you'll be given. Yeah. Shout a better amen. Yeah. All of us, we crave for acceptance. All of us crave for acceptance. In the world we live in, no matter who you are, you would encounter rejection in one way or the other in your life. Either a teacher may not like you and may reject you. 
You may write an exam and then you, you may end up not getting what you want. Rejection is a common experience. In fact, rejection is so common that God was the first to be rejected. Jesus came on earth. The Bible said he came unto his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to. So when you get rejected, you don't have to destroy yourself and feel like you are a loner in life. No, it's a natural experience. Sometimes we are rejected and other times we are accepted. But one of the things I want you to know tonight is that in Christ, you have acceptance. Somebody say in Christ, I have acceptance. Say it three times in Christ, I have acceptance. In fact, you don't have acceptance, you are accepted. Somebody say I'm accepted. Look at what Romans 15 verse 7 says. Romans 15 7. New Living Translation. Therefore, New Living Translation. Let's read it together. New Living Translation, please. One go. Therefore, accept so that let's read it again. Accept no. I don't think it reads like that. It reads like accept each other just like Christ will accept you. Is that what it says? Christ may accept you. He's considering accepting you. What is he saying? Accepted you. Somebody say, I'm accepted. Say, I am accepted. Okay, so tonight my teaching title is I am accepted. I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Sometimes you marry a man and he doesn't accept you. He simply does not accept you. There are people who are living with self-rejection. They don't accept themselves because they don't know that the most important person on the planet has accepted them. That's why you need this teaching. Once you understand, that's why we said that when you understand who you are in Christ, the first person who benefits from it is you. It settles you. There are a lot of emotional battles and conflicts that you go through every now and then. The moment you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, it settles everything. It settles everything. I don't care who accepts you, who likes me, or who doesn't like me. The most important is that I'm accepted. Praise God. And you are accepted also. With all the things you know about yourself, you are accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. Yeah. Some of us are actually looking to become like somebody else. So we accept it. You know why some ladies bleach? Because they want to be accepted. People do all kinds of things to be accepted. All kinds of things. God has given you a very dark chocolate color, nice color. You don't like it. You want to change it. There are people who have even acquired what they call locally acquired foreign accents. Because they want to be accepted. They want to fit in a certain class. People sometimes dress in a certain way because they want to be accepted. People sometimes can even borrow money and buy vehicle they can't service because they want to be accepted. You have no idea some of the craziest things people do just to be accepted. But you see, human beings are said that no matter what you do, somebody will not like you, somebody will not accept you, somebody will not approve of you. There was one man who walked on the earth never did anything wrong because most of the time we think that when we do the right thing we'll be accepted no we so once i do the right thing i'm accepted in fact as a father i have to consciously try to let my children know that my love for them and my acceptance of them is not based on what they do but who they are they are my children so i have to accept them whatever they come with those are my children and you need to understand that 
That's why we are going through this because you need to have this revelation. Some of us have difficulty accepting people from different backgrounds. Somebody is not from your tribe if I have difficulty accepting somebody from your tribe. Some of you have even delayed your marriage because you will not accept proposal from certain people. You won't accept them. You have a certain mindset about people from a certain background. That's what the Bible is telling us. Romans chapter 15 verse 7. He said, so therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted. I like scriptures that talks about just as Christ. Just as Christ. Forgive just as Christ. Love just as Christ. Because it's very difficult. Because all of us, and the reason why he says we should do it just as he has is because that's how he has done it. All of us want to be accepted no matter who we are. Who doesn't like to be accepted? All of us. We want to be accepted. We want to be grounded. Everybody wants to be accepted. Rejection is not somebody, something anybody prays for. When we go through your prayer point, we will see, Lord, this year I want to experience extreme rejection. 2020, as the year is coming to an end, Lord, give me extreme rejection. And let it begin, even when January 2021 comes, let it begin with rejection. No. Praise God. Even after we have read the detailed story of Joseph and how he was rejected and the outcome of his rejection, we will still not make rejection a prayer point. Why? Because rejection is not desirable. Praise God. But you know Jesus was rejected? The Bible says uh, he was rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Not only was he rejected by men, but he was rejected by his father also. In fact, one thing that Jesus dreaded most, I'm almost getting ahead of myself in the teaching, he dreaded most was that rejection. Jesus never prayed with passion, cried with intensity, like when he hung on the cross, when he was expecting his father to look at him and the father could not look at him. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, my God, my God, why have you rejected me? Forsaking me simply means rejected me. And you see, that is why you and I stand accepted today. We are accepted because he was rejected. That's why. That's why you should not have a sense of rejection anytime you are coming to God. Regardless of whatever your experiences may be or whatever you may have done, God accepts you. Somebody say, God accepts me. Say, God accepts me. Say, I have acceptance with God. Now, when we talk about acceptance, acceptance according to the Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary is to be received as suitable or good enough. The Oxford Advanced Learners English Dictionary defines acceptance as being suitable or good enough. Somebody say, I'm suitable. Say, I'm good enough. Oh, how many of us have ever felt we are not good enough? Not good enough to be blessed? Not good enough to have a good car. Not good enough to travel. Not good enough. How many of you have really felt you are not good enough by yourself? Okay. How many of you have been made to feel you are not good enough? It's not that you felt it yourself. People made you feel you are not good enough. How many of you have had sermons that made you feel you are not good enough? Yeah. So the repentance must begin from the pulpit. Praise God. Yeah. I'm sure I've preached some sermons that have made people feel they are not good enough. So, <laughs> to be accepted, that is English. English says to be accepted is to be received as good enough. Somebody say, God says, I'm good enough. Say it to yourself. God says, I'm good enough. Uh, 
I don't care about who, whatever anybody else thinks. God says you are good enough. To be accepted again is to be given a stamp of approval. Approval in the US. Approval rating is a big deal for the president. And President Donald Trump was very concerned about his approval. And all of us are concerned about approval. We like to be approved. When you put on a dress, a wife wants to be approved. Only how am I looking? Approval. Praise God. We all want to be approved. So to be given a stamp of approval. In other words, God has given you a stamp of approval. Somebody says, God is pleased with me. Say, God is pleased with me. You know why he's pleased with you? Because you are accepted in the beloved. You remember what he says of Jesus? He said, now this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And where are you? Ephesians 1.6. He says, to the praise, let's go. To the praise and the glory, this phrase, by which he had made us accepted in the beloved. Somebody say, I'm accepted in Christ. Now, if you go to Mark, you'll see that. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you are accepted in the beloved son in whom he is well pleased. So, if you are in the beloved son in whom he is well pleased, automatically, he becomes pleased with you. Somebody say, God is pleased with me. So, let go of that sense of inferiority and rejection. Husband makes you feel unwanted, undesired, unloved, all kinds of things. And it's simply because he doesn't feel you are good enough. He doesn't feel you are pleasing. But in the Greek, it even means something super. Somebody says something super. To be accepted in the Greek means to be granted a favored status. Somebody say, I'm a favored status. To be granted a favored status or to be highly favored. Highly, highly, highly favored. Highly favored. Somebody say, I'm highly favored. Oh, say it. I'm highly favored. Yeah. Because most of the time, we want to do a lot of things to earn favor. Earn the favor of your boss. Earn the favor of a friend. Earn the favor. We do so many things to want to earn favor. But in Christ, the new Christian is not striving to gain favor. He's already in favor with God. Somebody say, I have favor with God. You see, when this thing becomes your mindset, you will never gravitate towards things you don't think you deserve. Again, in the Greek, it means to be honored with blessings. May God honor you with great blessings. To be honored with blessings. To be accepted is to be honored with blessings. To be honored with great blessings. Tonight I will just share four key thoughts with you and then we will close. Four key thoughts about God's acceptance. Somebody say God has accepted me. You know sometimes some people would want to destroy other people to be accepted. When you go to most public offices, they just go and gossip about somebody for nothing he's done just because they want to gain favor in the sight of another person. The first key thought about God's acceptance is that it's one of the greatest blessings you have. Somebody say, I have. have. Say, I have acceptance. So in Christ, you don't pray for acceptance. You don't pray that God will be pleased with you. No. In Christ, God is already pleased with you. Yeah, God is already pleased with you. So when you come to God, come to him with the knowledge that he's pleased with you. Most people run away from God because they think God is angry with them. God hates them. God doesn't like them. But that is not the revelation we have about ourselves in Christ. The moment we look at ourselves in Christ, everything changes. That's why your view about yourself must be God's view of you. 
Somebody say, my view about myself must be God's view of me. And then your view about others in Christ must be God's view of them. Most of the time, because we view ourselves in the wrong way, we equally view others in the wrong way. Yeah, because the reason why you expect so much from people and nobody can simply please you is because you feel that people must earn anything and everything. God gives us unconditional acceptance. Somebody say unconditional acceptance. In Christ, we are accepted. In Christ, we are fully accepted. And it's one of the greatest blessings to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. One of the new things about the new creature in Christ is that the new creature is accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. Number two, God's acceptance is something none of us could ever end. We could never end God's acceptance. That's why we need to stop trying to end it. Because we could not end it. God actually knew we couldn't end it. For over 4,000 years, they offered sacrifices. You know why they did all of those sacrifices in the Old Testament? It was all simply designed to gain God's acceptance. All the sacrifices they did in the Old Testament, every one of them was designed so that God would be pleased with them. From the time man fell, when they started offering sacrifices, man's number one search has been to be accepted by God. So they offered sacrifices. They did all kinds of things, all to gain God's acceptance. But the bad news is that none of those sacrifices was enough to bring man complete acceptance before God. The least they could get was a a short-term acceptance. Maximum one year. And then God gets angry with them again. Then God begins to curse them again. God begins to blot them out again. God begins to punish them again. That was what was going on until he found one perfect sacrifices in the person of Christ. Praise God. And when that sacrifice was offered, God became eternally pleased and is satisfied. So that anybody who comes to God on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ, he becomes accepted. You see, in the Old Testament... When they went to offer an animal sacrifice as an offering to cleanse the sinner, what the priest inspected was not the sin the person had done. It was the animal that was being offered that they considered. So they brought a lamb to be offered as a sacrifice. The priest would just examine the lamb to be sure that the lamb is a blemished lamb. And once the lamb is blemished and the lamb is offered, The person who brought it is declared clean and sanctified. They don't go to check it in any way. When Jesus offered himself because his sacrifice was perfect, God is no longer checking you out in any way. He looks at you every time. That's what the Bible says that when we fall into sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have what? We have an advocate. Now I'm teaching on who we are. I will teach on what we have. Yeah. Next year I'll be teaching extensively on redemption. Because it changes everything. When you understand what I'm teaching, it will change your prayer life. Some of you only think that you qualify to receive when you have done the writing. That's why when you have not done the writing, you don't even pray. But how many of you have received something from God when you have messed up? Yeah, how many? many? Please lift up your hand. That one, how did you receive it? How did you receive that? When you receive a major breakthrough after you have defaulted in Titan for like two or three months. How did it come about? When we understand it, it changes everything. It doesn't give you the liberty to mess up. It helps you to serve God in a proper way. You respond to God with a deep sense of appreciation and love. A lot of believers are very much afraid of God. We fear God too much. But a relationship between a father and a son should not be that of fear. 
it should be one of reverence, not of fear. Am I communicating? One of reverence. When we understand that the Father loves us, the Father accepts, and because the reason why we fear is because when we do the wrong thing, we see him like Pastor Pei said, like one head teacher with a great uh, stick looking for you to hammer you. Some of us, when we think about God, that's all we think about. When we are in the good, God is with us. When we are in the bad, God is against us. That was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the dynamics are different. Praise God. How could you end God's acceptance? When his standards are just too high for any human being to meet it. Psalm 130 verse 3. He says, if he is to mark iniquity, the holiest one amongst us cannot stand. <laughs> the most holy amongst us. That's why one day when they caught the woman in the act of adultery, they presented. These were Pharisees. And when we talk about a Pharisee, a Pharisee is one who was a strict observer of the law. You remember when Paul was talking about himself, he said, I'm a Pharisee of the tribe of Israel, Benjamin, a Pharisee concerning the law, blameless. When we talk about a Pharisee, Pharisees are strict adherents to the law. They don't break the law. They know everything about the law, but these were Pharisees. And the same law that they knew everything about, that law stated that if anybody committed adultery, they should be stoned to death. Both male and female should be stoned to death. But in their selective justice, they presented the woman to be stoned. The question was, where was the man? That was their first uh, mistake. So Jesus knelt down, and I'm sure he was writing all their sins. <laughs> yeah, he was writing, 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 writing. And so when he finished, you called them by one. <laughs> Come and see your home. And as they saw they, their own, they, they dropped their stone and they left. They dropped their own and they left. They dropped their own and they left. They dropped their own and they left. When they finished, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, why are your accusers? They have accused themselves and left. Jesus didn't accuse them. They accused themselves by themselves and left. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Praise God. Go and see no more. In fact, our own righteousness, the Bible says, is like a filthy rock. And a filthy rock, the word filthy rock, it's, <laughs> I don't want to even describe it well, but it, it's like a menstrual rock. I don't know what you want to do with that. That's, that's your righteousness, the best of us. That's why when you come to God on the basis of your own righteousness, you are gone. The reason why you are not obtaining answers to prayer is because you think that you have tight enough so God should hear you. That's your problem. I've given enough, so God... No, 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 no. When we put your giving on the same scale with God's giving, you will still be found wanting. He said, you've been weighed and you've been found wanting. When we put your giving, all your tithes, since you joined Faith House, plus your sacrifice, all your first fruit, put all of it together on a scale, you will see that your own will not be able to stand God's own in any way. Blessed be God who daily loaded us with benefit. You don't give tithe every day. God blesses you every day. He preserves you every day. Am I communicating here? That's right. The only person who qualified to end our right standing with God was Christ. He was the only person who could. And he earned it and credited it to our account. That's one of the benefits of redemption. Redemption, you see, there, there are certain languages in redemption which we'll be going through. One of them is substitution. Somebody says substitution. Substitution is when 
One takes another person's place. You've watched football? How many of you have watched football? Ghana Black Stars have not uh, been helping us lately, so we don't get much to watch. But you see, if you watch football, sometimes in the course of the game, at a certain point, they bring somebody on and then they take some people off. They bring some people on and take some people off. Now, that was our case. The Bible said he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ? All right? So, you remember the story of Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas was a criminal. He was supposed. In fact, that is a very good, perfect picture of substitution. The person who actually deserved to die was Barabbas. But the Jewish people and the, the scribes and all, they rose up again. They said, no, we want the right person dead and the wrong person alive. Listen, in our case, we deserve punishment. God stepped in and said, rather than punish you, I'm going to punish my son. As for the punishment, I need to punish you because that is God's justice. When we say God is a just God, that's what it means. But God's punishment, instead of it coming to you, went to Christ on the cross. And I told you earlier, if God decides to punish you again for anything you do as a child of God, he's simply committing what we call the law of double jeopardy. Punishing a person for a crime twice is not done. Legally, it's not done. The price has been paid. That's why he was wounded for, have you read that? He was wounded for who? Our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Everything we deserved, he carried it. Because he carried everything we deserve, everything he also has and was, we have become. Praise God. Yeah, we have become. He became sick. That's why you must not entertain sickness as a friend. He became poor. That's why you must not allow any preacher to preach down to you that poverty is the will of God and God is trying to teach you a lesson. And no, no, that's foolishness. Number three, God's acceptance is not based on what we do, but what Christ has done. Somebody say God's acceptance is not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ has done. Now look at Genesis 4, verse 6 to 7. He says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Alright? Verse 7, do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. He says, so the Lord said to him, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7, let's read it together, one go. He said, if you do well, somebody say, if you do well, you'll be what? Will you not be accepted? If you do well, will you not be accepted? That was the condition under the Old Testament. If you do this, you'll be accepted. That's why when you read most of the Old Testament, the, most of the things begin with, if, if thou shalt diligently hearken, if thou shalt did this, if thou shalt do this, if thou shalt do this, if thou shalt do this, most of them, that's how it's phrased. Praise God. Because everything was conditioned on what we did. Praise God. Everything was conditioned on what we did. And you see, the more God made his relationship with people to be based on what the people did, the more he got angry with them. That's why in the book of Hebrews, the Bible said God found fault with that establishment. He realized that it was not helping. The way he really wanted to relate with people, he couldn't relate with people that way because the more he related with them based on what they did, the more he got angry with them. 
So the children of Israel, he will bring them out and then they will be complaining. Then he will get angry. He will send all kinds of things after them. You tell them, don't do this. And that. the same thing. Have you seen that every time you have a child around you and you tell the child, don't do this? <laughs> That's what they will do. If you're a parent, you know that. That's what they will do. And that is what law does. When you live under the law, you are permanently in bondage. Praise God. Living under the law puts you in bondage. That's what the Bible says. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Oh, pastor, so now we don't have to do anything good there. That's not what I'm saying. Now you have a better motivation to do good. Because, you see, before this time, you were doing good to earn something. But now you are doing good to say thank you for what has been done for you. I don't know whether somebody understands that. He said, every time you are doing good, that's what you are saying. You are simply saying, thank you for. So I wrote here, I said, your good deeds do not end as acceptance before God. They are an expression of our gratitude for God's unconditional acceptance and not the basis for it. Somebody say, it's not the basis for it. Yeah, Your good deeds is not the basis for your acceptance. You can't ask God for money because you think you have not paid tight. But when you didn't know him at all, he was making food available for you. Because he makes his rain to shine on the evil and on the good. So how come now everything is conditioned on what you do? You see, when we understand who we are in Christ, we, we, our relationship with God takes on a new turn. We enjoy our relationship with God. We come to God with boldness. And we are able to... So most of the time, people are not... They don't like the God most believers serve. They see him as mean. Because God knows us. And he knows that the best of us is still the worst of us. So they are an expression. Somebody say an expression. expression. Yeah, an expression. Now, if you look at all that God has done for you, all right, all that he's done for you in Christ, the sacrifice Jesus gave on the cross for you, saving you and delivering you from eternal damnation, what at all can you give to pay for that? Praise God. So when you are giving... You are not giving to end. You are just giving to say, thank you. You've done so much for me and I cannot tell it all. Praise God. Number four, as I close. God's acceptance is the most important acceptance you can ever need. God's acceptance is the most important acceptance. Somebody say the most important acceptance. The most important acceptance. I know all of us want some people to accept us. You want your boss to accept you, your husband to accept you, your friends to accept you, and it's great. But God's acceptance is the most important. And next week, I'll show you why this is the most important acceptance. This is the most important acceptance. Are you not glad that such acceptance does not come conditionally? Because if this most important acceptance came with a lot of conditions, I don't know which of us could stand. God knows that that is the most important acceptance we will ever need. So he decided to give it to us as a gift. That's it. Jesus suffered rejection from many people. They didn't bother him. But the rejection he could not stand was the rejection from his father. When Jesus said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, there was nothing that made him as happy as that statement. That he had the father's approval. That God was pleased with him. That God was happy with him. And you see, look at this. At the time God said, I'm pleased with Jesus, he had not done anything 
had not done anything. He had not, he had just gone into baptism. He had not healed the sick. He had not done anything. He had not preached the gospel to anybody before. Just to give us a foretaste that when we are in him, we are also going to enjoy the same level of acceptance. He is going to approve us not based on what we have done, but what Christ has done. Praise God. So our business and our quest must know what has Christ done for me. That must be the number one pursuit of the New Testament Christian. What has Christ done for me? So first of all, you need to know who am I in Christ? What has Christ done for me? And then what must be my response by reason of what Christ has done? When you read the book of Ephesians, the entire book of Ephesians, next year, God will now walk you through it. When you do the book of Ephesians, first of all, he tells you what has been done for you in Christ. That's what the first chapters, I think the first from chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. All has to do with what is available for you in Christ, what God has done for you in Christ. From 4 to 6, he tells you how you must respond. When the relationship starts from what he has done and it ends with your response, it becomes a good relationship. But when it starts with what you have to do to get God to do something, God is not going to do anything. All he needed to do, he's done it in Christ. That's all that God needed to do. He's done it. Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. It meant truly that it was finished. Everything he needed to do, he did it in Christ. What we need to do now is to find out what God has done in Christ for me. How am I going to access it? And what must be my response to it? How must I relate with the things Christ has done? Like for instance, if you know that God loves you unconditionally, you cannot be giving people nine conditions to fulfill to love them. Yeah, you cannot. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. Why are you making it too difficult for people to relate with you? Too difficult for people to relate with you. It's too sensitive, too... You know, you, you are just too some way. Now, if God were to become that fastidious, you think anybody could relate with him? But he's decided to put his gas down so that you and I, who are imperfect, we can always come to him. Praise God. Are you not glad that you are accepted in Christ? Stand on your feet and begin to give him praise. Pastor Afaka has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afaka, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel.yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afaka on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.30 a.m to 8 a.m. Our second service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you.